1: listen to the az wildcats podcast as always brought to you by DraftKings. another great deal going on new customers can bet just one dollar on any nfl game and win a hundred dollars in free bets if either team scores a point just so you know the last zero zero tie in the nfl was in 1943 so that's probably a pretty safe bet right there and we're joined by the great william brad alice how are you doing there william
0: I was waiting for a 1943 joke about me.
1: Oh no! Well, you're now you're not that much older than me, and we both decide, or we both come to the realization that uh, we're not Anthony Jamino's favorite uh, Saguaro alumni anymore. So that's not cool.
0: Now Verdugo getting it done for the Rose so
1: Yeah, I understand we get that. Shafted. All right, Brad. Let's talk uh, some U of A hoops right now because uh, obviously hope springs eternal with a new era, and. I'm just going to put this out there. I've asked a couple other people, and I'm curious as to your thought. When I look at this Arizona basketball team and watching the Red-Blue game, this feels to me like a back-end top 25 team. Am I crazy, or what do you think?
0: Well, you know, you look at last year's team, which was a fringe, if it's not probable, NCAA tournament team, and yeah, they lost James Akinjo, and they lost, you know, the sixth man of the year in the the Pac-12 and Jordan Brown, but... I feel like top to bottom, they're a slightly better team as some of these young guys are going to get a chance to uh, play a little more balanced offense, shall we say, without a Kenjo dominating the ball. And I think with Tommy Lloyd's style, there's, there's going to be more touches. Uh, so, yeah, I think this is a team that, you know, if Kirk Rees can play point guard at a competent level, that Arizona looks like a team that, yeah, can compete for the top three or four in the Pac-12 and, and maybe sneak into the top 25. And if you're in the top 25, suddenly you're looking at a four or five seed in the NCAA tournament. And that's a team that can make a, make a splash into the second weekend.
1: Before we get into the roster decisions, I think you hit the nail on the head right there where you talked about Tommy Lloyd. And I personally think that his style of play is going to be more advantageous for this group of guys. And what I mean by that is I think a lot of these guys are going to be better off running and getting up and down the court, whether that's Kerr, whether that's Ben Matherin, Daylon Terry, I think that that benefits guys like that. And I think you're going to see them maybe reach a higher apex than maybe they would have reached under Sean Miller.
0: You know, I think in many ways, I think this offense is going to be what Sean Miller was thinking about dabbling about. And that's where you're going to have multiple ball handlers on each possession. You're going to have, in, in essence, two or three combo guards at one time. And I think you know one of the offenses that looked pretty intriguing out there was the, the combination of, of Kresa and Kyer. Um, that you know they both seem to handle the ball. They're both bigger guards. You mix that with a Matherin or or Dallin Terry, who can also you know handle the ball a little bit. And heck, even if you put Kim Aiken out there at the four, he's uh, he's certainly not a guy who's going to distribute, but he, but he can put the ball on the floor and do some things. So I think you know Pella Larson looks like the same guy. I think you have about five six. Guys on this team who could handle the ball, who can dribble the ball, who can, you know, not necessarily create offense, but can keep the offense flowing. You don't look like you have a guy who totally dominates the ball, who pounds it into the floor. Even the big men aren't the, you know, they're not guys who have to have the ball in their hands the whole time. They move without the ball. So I think, yeah, I think you've got some pieces here who can create a free flowing offense. And at the end of the day, Tommy Lloyd's offense is a lot like Lute Olson's. It's a lot of motion. It's a lot of up-tempo. It's a lot of offense or defense-to-offense transition. And I think Arizona's got some personnel who can play in that style. Yeah,
1: Let's talk about Kerr. Obviously, Arizona under Lute Olson was point guard U. I don't really like using the term anymore because it really hasn't been point guard U in probably, what, 15, 16, 17 years. It's been a while. But when I watch Kerr out there running the point – this is a guy that I think is going to really benefit from playing in Tommy Lloyd's style because there's a couple things that are readily noticeable. He can shoot the ball. He's got great form. And if you watch him handle, you watch him bring the ball up the court, he's competent enough. I feel unless he gets hurt, I think the point guard position is going to be more than fine in kind of an interchangeable motion type offense that you were just talking about there, Brad.
0: Yeah, and I, and I don't want to put this kind of pressure on him, but if we all remember uh, some of those offenses under, under Lute Olsen where at times either the off guard or even the small forward was running much of the offense. And, 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 you know, you date back to even the Kerr backcourt. I mean, Craig McMillan was as instrumental in distributing the ball in that offense as Steve Kerr was. Steve Kerr was, in essence, uh, a, a combo guard before we had that term. You know, if you look at the 94 team, um you know Khalid Reeves was a point guard before sliding over to make room for Damon Stoudemire you look at the two maps two combo guards you can go down the line maybe the greatest example is you know Jason Gardner as uh, in what 2003 but Luke Walton
1: obviously. was more of the point guard there exactly Luke right. Walton
0: I think was second or third in the Pac-12 or then Pac-10 in assist so Assuming that a guy like Kyer, who looks like a combo guard, sure looked like one the other night. You know what we hear about Pella Larson, a guy who can distribute the ball. What we've seen a little bit from Dallin Terry. You know, and obviously Dallin Terry's more of a three than he's going to be a one. But all these guys, if, if Kreese is suddenly the hot shooter, you're going to see them working to get Kreese the shot, as opposed to Kreese trying to get, you know, Terry the shot, Matherin the shot, whoever the shot. So I think that is an interchangeable point of the offense and something that I think you could really see. Well, under Sean Miller, unfortunately, we either had a point guard who was never in a primary scorer, a T.J. McConnell, or point guards who had to be the primary scorer, whether that was Mark Lyons, whether that was James Akinjo, and it was actually to the detriment of other players. So that's one thing I think I'm looking forward to, to seeing this. You know, are there going to be games where, in essence, larson or Tyre or whoever's the, the the two guard become the de facto point guard because kirk crease is suddenly you know in the first half three for four behind the arc um and even then we even saw it in the red blue game and i hate to use the red blue game as a huge barometer because we've seen it for years and it's all never accurate especially when it's practice four. for sure but i think crease had four three-point attempts in the first like six minutes of that game No, he didn't take another one for a while Uh, But he's certainly not afraid to bring the ball up, pull up, when when the defense was sagging into the lane. And when you have a guy like Matherin running the floor, and when you're two bigs, you know, Tubellis, Coloco, even Aiken can run the floor, suddenly guys are going to have to play back. They're going to have to play the passing lanes. If you have a point guard, who can pull up from, from 19, from 20. Uh, that shot's going to be there.
1: All right, we're, let's talk a little bit about Ben Matherin and coming up. But first, obviously, want to let you know all about DraftKings first and foremost. Brad, did you get any? Uh, did you get any plays in this week? Did you win any money? I expect you did.
0: Uh, let's just say, uh, still feeling out the NFL. I, you know, yeah, just still feeling it out. But I still like my uh, my Pat Mahomes for for MVP. Although I think he's probably third or fourth right now. I think your guys got it. But let's just say the the money hasn't. I haven't given it up yet.
1: Well, if you're like Brad, or if you're not like Brad, and you can hop in on DraftKings right now and they got a great deal for all new customers. Put down just one dollar on any NFL game. You can win a hundred dollars in free bets if either team scores a point. I'm gonna give you a hint. That's probably gonna happen. So, again, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code word PHNX. Bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets. 21 and up, Arizona only. Gambling problem, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And the cool thing about being on PHNX right here is that you've got a lot of uh, people like Brad who I grew up reading, consider a good buddy of mine. And you know what? It's all over. You've got that on all the different sites, or excuse me, all the different uh, uh, team beats here from live streams to podcasts to articles to merchandise. This is your one-stop shop. All right, Brad, let's talk Ben Matherin right here. He came back for his sophomore year. I think he's a guy that I think he would have been picked in the NBA draft. I don't know how high but I think he made the good decision coming back because he already has kind of that three and D template going for him right there. But being able to play in more of an up-tempo style, I think is really going to help him get some easy buckets and really kind of work on his confidence. I think this is a kid that could average 16 points a game here and do it fairly simply.
0: Yeah. You know, and again, we we didn't see much from, uh, I think as we'd like in the red blue game, but last year, When he was on, he was on. He could score 30. Um, He's super athletic. Yeah, he is a 3-and-D guy, which is what the NBA is coveting now. Uh, So I think he definitely has a role. Now he has to show he's a little more consistent with the three-point shot. He has to continue to improve his defense. I think one thing you're going to see in Tommy Lloyd's system that you did not see uh, under Sean Miller is the ability for these guys to make big plays on defense, whether that's jumping the passing lane or whether that's the big block shot, which we did see in Red Blue. So, Matherin looks like the kind of prototypical Lute Olson wing, who suddenly is using that long arm to get that steal and either you know going down for the dunk himself or setting up transition. So, yeah, I think there's very good guy. I think Matherin would have been a second round draft pick last year, maybe a late first rounder that they you know a team could have tried to convince to stash or a two way contract or something like that. Uh, but now he looks like a guy who I think can play his way into the lottery. So I think he made a great decision. And I think this system, again, should benefit him.
1: Does Daylan Terry have a little bit of an Andre Iguodala feel to you in that he's probably never going to be a great scorer, but he can just do so many different things out there. He can, He can rebound. He can handle. He can pass. He can defend. He can do a lot of things really well. He just is never probably going to be a great scorer.
0: You know, it's funny, because you you mentioned 3 and D. I thought at the beginning of the year, before Mathern really kind of ascended, I thought Terry was the guy who maybe a year from now, even his senior year, could be developed into a a poor man's 3 and D guy. Um, A guy who can knock it down just good enough, but with his length and rebounding and his ability to to play defense, could carve out a role in the NBA. Uh, And he ended up... Kind of always staying the same. He plateaued pretty early, and Matherin obviously jumped up. But I thought early on he looked like, yeah, I don't know if I go straight Iguodala. I think Iguodala was yeah, you know, for at, sure at six seven six eight, and I think Terry's probably what's closer to six five. But no, he's kind of that Swiss Army knife, and I think it's a very important thing to have in this kind of of, of program and something you know Arizona has kind of been missing. I mean, even on some of the better Miller teams you know, they never really had that guy who could do a little bit of everything. You know, they had a Rondé, but Rondé was a more of a defense with some rebounding. But this is a guy who I think, again, I think Gallantary can facilitate some offense from, from the off guard or from the three spot. I think he's a guy who can make some passes, who can play some defense, who can hit the boards, and occasionally, you know, we'll see him a couple times score that 12 or 14 points. You know, it might be a put back, a couple put-backs and a three and a couple points in transition, but I think he's a very nice player to have, and I think, you know, he's probably going to be the sixth or seventh man, um, you know, depending on how good Larson is and how good Kyer is. But uh, I think he's definitely a guy we're going to see be an important role player for Arizona. And I could see a year from now, in, or as a senior, him being the third, maybe third scoring option, maybe being a solidified starter, one of those guys who the rest of the league is like, hey, how long has Dalen Terry been there? Um, but exactly. He's a guy who's very important to the Arizona program.
1: All right. What I don't want to fall into what you talked about as well, and I think we've all fallen into it at some point the red blue game overreaction about somebody who you don't expect to be a scorer or a shooter or a rebounder. But I'm going to throw Kim Aiken Jr. out there to see what you think because he makes four three pointers in the first half and he looked very comfortable doing it. And on top of that, he has a nice putback dunk. I thought coming into this game that you're maybe looking at a guy who would be kind of an Ira Lee, a Gene Edgerson bully, or you know, bully defender, garbage guy, and I think he can still be that, but anytime somebody makes four threes and shoots him with the confidence he did, it certainly makes you take notice at least there, Brad.
0: You know, it's funny because I didn't I somehow I missed that he scored the first of the threes um, and then had just started the right attack he was guarding, I want to say it was to and just got overmatched. And I was just about to text a friend of mine and say, I never thought I'd say I'm going to miss Ira Lee. And then he drained the second three. And then as I'm deleting the text, he drained (laughs) the third three. Um, Yeah, I don't think that's going to be something we see a lot from his game. I don't think he's – because the shot's pretty ugly. I mean, it went in, but it's it's ugly. (laughs) But can he be a poor man's Rayos? Can he be... Oh, if he's a
1: poor man's Rayos, then you take that Thursday, every day of the week. Yeah.
0: Does he remind you, again, not that's his style of play, but in role of a Wayne Womack, if you want to go way back, mm-hmm. that versatile, athletic, slightly undersized power forward who can just get a little bit done in different ways. And again, there might be some days he has to knock down the three, whether that's, you know, he was hitting them from the top of the key, but I could see that corner three. Yeah getting you that high energy put back. Uh, maybe it's just the Kevin Perham big foul. No easy baskets. I think Aiken can be that guy. And then let's not forget Aiken is what? 22, 23, he looks 30. He
1: looks 35.
0: Yeah, there's something to be said about guys when they get into their 20s physically maturing, especially in a version of college basketball where so many of the players are 17, 18, 19. He's going to be physically stronger than most of the guys his size. He's going to be a little more savvy than a lot of the guys his size. And it sounds funny because he's still a kid. I mean, he's, what, 21, 22. Right. But he physically looks a little more mature. And, you know, you you hear about, you know, this more in football than basketball where you wait for guys to find their strength, to find their grown man's strength. He has not And that's going to be a huge advantage. Because you know some some you know hot shot freshman from UCLA or USC super athletic is going to be driving the lane, and they're going to try and figure out why the old man with the beard just knocked him on their butt, and uh, that's going to be Kim Aiken for you.
1: That is going to be Kim Aiken. I'll tell you what, it's too it's too bad that DraftKings wasn't around back in the day of the Lute Olson era because you know what. I'd be betting over on a lot of those games because they generally did go over. And you know, that's a great thing about DraftKings. You can hop in there. They got all kinds of good deals. It's not just football right there. You've got you you got basketball right around the corner. You can put in a lot of different uh a lot of different plays right there. And again, if you bet just $1 for all new customers on any NFL game, you can win $100 in free bets if a team scores a point. So basically you're gonna get $100 in free bets. That's something that I don't think anybody really has any bit of an issue with. And, you know, honestly, the cool thing about it, you can bet in-game parlays, you can bet on the same, you can bet throughout live, you generally don't find sites like that. Our friend John Schuster uses DraftKings, and he's a guy that's not the most technologically advanced person in the world, Brad. And so, if John Schuster can make it work and win some money, it probably is okay for the other people out there.
0: Hey, I'm going to I'm going to give you guys a, a hint, and I you know I, I don't usually do the in game, but if the Chiefs are up by more than two scores in the fourth quarter against Buffalo pound the over because the Chiefs defense will give up a meaningless touchdown late in that game and make it much more interesting because the Kansas City Chiefs only play weird football games.
1: They only play weird football games. And let's also talk about something that's a little uncomfortable for some people. And that's, you know, trimming the hairs down below. And that's where Manscaped comes into play. Now, they got a great deal going on here. You can get 20% off And free shipping with the code PHNX at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Again, code word PHNX. Slay your worst pubes and keep your dagger clean with Manscaped. Basically, people don't like to talk about having to keep everything down below trimmed. But Manscaped has been... uh, excelling in this for a long time and it's not just those tools you get you can get something like the weed whacker which is the below the waist leader a fourth generation performance package inside you'll find the lawnmower trimmer Weed Whacker is the ear and nose trimmer, liquid formulations. You got all kinds of good stuff right there. Again, people generally don't like to talk about it, but it's something that we need to address that we all have, and we're in the year 2021, so why not embrace the inevitable right there? So, again, check out Manscape.com. All right, Brad.
0: Well, Mike, you may look like uh, a certain quarterback for the Washington football team. You can say his name. Y- you, you don't want to look like it below the waist. That's why you want Manscaped.
1: Uh yes, that's ex. <laughs> that's exactly why you want manscape. There's a free plug. You plu-
0: don't want the Fitzmagic magic
1: down there. No, no, that's that's called a good free plug right there. All right, Brad. There you go. Now I want to talk about Julius Tabellus. He um. I think that this is a kid that has, at least from a statistical perspective, I think this is a kid that's got some All-American potential to him. You saw last year, he finishes the year averaging 12.5 points, 7.5 boards. And as the season went on, you could tell this was a guy— that was able to utilize his body, get into players. Not a great high riser, but from a skill, from a maneuverability perspective, I don't see why he can't average seventeen and nine this year.
0: I just don't. I think he's a matchup nightmare in college basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you, typically you, your big men who are older and stronger are plotters, and he's not a plotter. Uh, or and your young guys are skinny and super athletic. This is a guy who, again, brought up in the European system who has great footwork, he has great fundamentals, he has a great knack for the ball. He's athletic enough. I mean, no, he's not going to, you know, throw down. You know, he's not like those USC big men we've seen. Actually, he's a lot like some of the USC big men we've seen.
1: The Sam Clancy's?
0: I was thinking more of the Vucevic and some of those Okay. He's not quite as big. You know, he's got a decent touch. He's got a great rebounding knack. He has an ability to, you know, that footwork. So he is kind of, I think, a matchup nightmare for a lot of guys because if you throw the 6'9 athletic guy, he's just going to back him down. And if you put the 7-foot plotter, he is going to go around him or he's going to pull him away from the basket and and drop the the 16-footer. You know, he has the ability, we saw again, red-blue, I know, but he got to the lane in some nice fashion. So, yeah, I think he's a guy who, you know, as long as he continues to refine his game and his teammates can find him, Ah, uh, yeah. There's not. There's no reason that he uh, can't be right up there with Ben Matherin among the top scorers on this basketball
1: team. Doesn't he have very much of a Gonzaga type player feel to him, uh, de Bellus?
0: Yeah, I think he does. You know, he he, maybe not as athletic as some of those French big men, but yeah, they always seem to have those guys. And that, you know, and I don't know how big he really is. I think where they list him at six ten, but he ain't that tall. Yeah, uh, you know, he's somewhere in, he's somewhere in that six eight six nine range. Just mobile enough. Again, I expect to see his shot get better, um, and it was not bad last year. So yeah, I think that, I think that's an apt, an apt description as a Gonzaga big man. Again, a smaller version of some of those USD guys we saw back, you know, five six years ago, especially under your boy Ko. when mm-hmm. you, go, you find those European guys. Both of those guys were closer to seven foot. But yeah, I think I think those. He's kind of a combination of those guys. He's far He's not quite like the Arizona typical uh, European big man. You know, he's not an Ivan Radinovich. He's not, uh, you know, uh, Dusan. He's not definitely not Kirill, but uh, yeah, he's definitely uh, an interesting player. And again, I think kind of a matchup nightmare in college basketball.
1: Christian Coloco, big man, uh, junior is a guy that Tommy Lloyd raised a lot of eyebrows when he said that he thought that the, uh, the seven footer has all conference potential. Now, Tommy Lloyd knows a lot more about basketball than I do, and I'm incredibly enthused to see the Tommy Lloyd era. My questions have always been with Coloco. Can he catch the ball? Because if you can't catch the ball, I don't think it's you can really become an all-conference player because you're always going to be limited in the scoring potential. But this is clearly a guy, though, that has caught the eye of Tommy Lloyd because Tommy Lloyd isn't saying something like that. He's not setting a player up like that. If he doesn't believe that that guy can exact that image.
0: Yeah, what's funny is everyone was talking about Kim Aiken with the uh, with the red blue game. I thought Coloca was the most impressive. With mm-hmm. his ability, again, I I thought he, he got to the rim, he got to the line, he blocked some shots, he looked stronger, he looked more explosive, and he's always been a guy who you know, there's been a few guys you look at, you're like, Oh, if they can put it all together. Um, you know, Chance Comanche was a guy oh, yeah. too, and he didn't stick around long enough. But Coloco looks like now he's starting to figure it out a little bit. And I think he's still a year away. Um, but I think he suddenly becomes a very intriguing piece. Because, again, when you're putting him on the floor you know, with Tubelis, it makes it very interesting. Because those are two guys who are both fairly mobile, who are also both legit big men, who are both rebounders. And you got to figure out how to guard both of them. And, again, I think Coloco, most of his offense is going to come on putbacks. It's going to come on, you know, easy passes down low when, when someone else does the drive and dish. It's going to come in transition. Um, but I could see him being this year, you know, an 8-8 eight eight guy, 8-9 eight and nine guy, and then you put him on the floor with, with, with an Aiken, and suddenly you're spreading the floor. You put him out there with Bolo and it gets pretty, pretty uh, athletic and, and big. But I think there's a lot of ways you can use him again I don't think he's gonna be you're not drawing up a whole lot of plays for him, but I think he's gonna be a guy who's he's gonna have a few games where you know they're gonna be playing these smaller teams and he's just – because I think he's strong under now he's gonna be strong enough where he's gonna be able to dominate some of these guys um I think he could you know there's gonna be some games where he's gonna have like an eighteen and twelve game and you know twelve of the points are gonna be offensive rebounds and putbacks but Uh, I'm pretty intrigued by him. To me, he was the most exciting part because I think, again, I don't think you can count on Kim Aiken dropping four threes every game, but I do think you can count on a lot of the stuff we saw from Coloco in that game, getting to the line, running the floor, blocking shots. That's going to translate when the season starts.
1: Yeah, I agree with you on that. I'm incredibly enthused to see Coloco in real live action. Um, you're going to want to follow PHNX this entire season because we're going to have guys like Brad on all the time as we talked about and uh, articles, podcasts, live streams. Brad, before I let you go, are you in on the that Arizona has back in top 25 p- potential or is it are you still in kind of a wait and see approach?
0: No, I mean, I think they do and you know, you look at it too and I think the I think what's intriguing is I think the non Conference is just good enough that Arizona's going to have a strong Strength of schedule, but not so good that they're not going to win most of them. I think really there are maybe four or five toss-up games, but you know Illinois doesn't look like the game it was a year ago, and a few of the other ones. So you look at that. I don't think the Pac-12 is a particularly great league. I think it's it's Oregon and UCLA, and then a lot of sameness. You know, I think uh, USC is intriguing. I think Arizona is intriguing. Oregon State's intriguing. Um, but if Arizona doesn't finish third, fourth in in the league, I'll be disappointed. And I think a third or fourth finish is getting you in the tournament. And, yeah, if you're not in the top 25, you're probably going to be receiving votes. I think Arizona looks like, you know, they look – and, again, maybe I'm you know, too close to it, but I think last year this was a tournament team, and I think this is overall a better team than it was last year, better constructed team at the very least.
1: He's Brad Allison. I'm Mike Luke. Uh, we'll be back with you uh, live streaming uh, UCLA-Arizona uh, postgame show. And thanks for listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast.